Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Um, this is the Saturday edition, and it hasn't been a very productive uh, Saturday and uh, terrific writing here at our corporate world headquarters. I decided to let myself sleep late today and did a very, you know, nobody does that better than me. Um, and I haven't been able to get started on the work yet. And it's, what is it? It's late, man. Well, anyway, it's never too late to start working. But before I do that, I thought I would hop on for a brief, hopefully, episode. And uh, it's going to be about the Week magazine. So I read this, basically, on my way over to Annette's Italian Ice, which is closing today. This is what I call last day, kind of like that that old movie Logan's Run. You know, it's a marker of the season when Annette's closes. Annette's is on Armitage and Bissell, right near the Brown Line stop at Armitage. So, but you won't be able to try it until March, okay? So... And what struck me is that, you know, I'm not like Mr. Climate Change. Uh, That's very low on my list of things to worry about. But this year, she never had to close her uh, her window. She has a she operates out of a out of a spot in a apartment building, and basically, it's just like a window that opens out into the street, and she doesn't really have anything indoor. But every other year I've gone over there, you know, when it gets this late in the year, she's had to open up the inside because it's been cold. This year she never had to do that. So what does that tell you? Anyway. On to the magazine. And we're also going to have a quick feature today about what it's like to be on Facebook because I know a lot of you don't go on Facebook. So I'm going to start out with an obituary. Uh, Aaron Beck died. Now you might ask yourself, who was Aaron Beck? Well, he lived to be 100. And he's the guy who came up with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very controversial, at least. I had an anger management therapist for a while, and he hated it. But... uh, it's very widely adapted by the profession, or adopted, I should say, these days. And basically, cognitive behavioral therapy let's see if there's a quick quick summary. He took people off the couch, basically, which doesn't sound like a good idea if you're a couch potato like me, but he moved them to a chair and developed a more pragmatic, collaborative approach focused on training patients to identify ingrained negative beliefs that guide their behaviors, like I'm bound to fail, nobody loves me, and modify them with the power of positive thinking. Uh, You help patients apply reason and logic to their problems so they can confront them consciously here and now. Rather than the old Freudian, you know, id and ego and superego and all that, which proved to be pretty unscientific and kept people in therapy for years. So, anyway. So he's gone. But not forgotten. So now we move to the making money column, and that's the original purpose of this podcast, which, you know, we do digress. But uh, time to buy inflation bonds is the question-marked headline. The government is giving out 7.12% interest on new Series 1 savings bonds, more than 14 times the average rate of a CD. Why the high rate? Uh, Series 1 savings bond are known as inflation or I-bonds, and they're linked to inflation. Their rate is determined by a composite between a fixed base rate and one that varies based on the consumer price index. 
For more than a year, the fixed rate has been a disheartening zero, but the new composite rate is still the second highest it has ever been thanks to surging inflation. If the price spikes prove to be temporary, though, the composite rate on the bonds will drop. The bonds are sold in an unusual way. You buy them directly from the Treasury website with an annual limit of $10,000 per person. You can buy another 5000 with your tax refund. I have actually never heard of these things. I mean, U.S. savings bonds I've heard of, but this is a weird one, as far as I can tell. So, check with your financial advisor, but this might be something to look at. What I thought this column was actually going to be about was uh, tips, which is Treasury Inflation Protected... Uh, Securities, I think, is what it is. So I'm going to throw that, actually, in my list of stuff to to do. I'm not really in that market right now because I need some pretty big capital appreciation to keep myself afloat. But, you know, for those of you who are comfortable, this may be something to look at. General Electric is splitting up, and this is a pretty succinct... Uh, explanation of what they're doing. They're spinning off the healthcare and energy businesses and sticking with the aviation division, which is worth $22 billion. And that's the one that makes the engines, jet engines, right? So uh, the other two, particularly that energy business, has struggled. Uh, and the healthcare, I don't think they're a very big player there. So that's happening. Um, so it might be, you know, sometimes you're smart to buy those stocks because the, the sum of the parts is worth more than the whole, or however that phrase goes. Now, I just read about Rivian. Um, Rivian went public. I wouldn't buy it now, I don't think. But uh, Amazon is a big customer of theirs. They're going to be buying their electric pickups. And they got a good review in here. So might be something to think about. Especially if it goes in a dip, you know. J&J &J, has overturned a couple of opioid suits that were filed under a public nuisance law. Now, it's okay to lay in the street uh, for days and weeks and months, but it's now considered a public nuisance to be in the pharmaceutical business. And, you know, J&J &J was not, like, the, the real evil player here. I think they ended up acquiring something that had some opioid business, but they've got deep pockets, so naturally the trial lawyers go after them. So they're getting that. Some of these verdicts were very expensive. They had a $465 million verdict. But they're not the, I can't think of the name of the main player. Purdue, I think, Pharma is the main player. Um, I can't remember the name of the family either right now. But anyway, Elon Musk is selling $21 billion in shares, and he says it's because the, the, the masses, the people have spoken. He put a poll out on Twitter, and 58% of respondents favored a sale. But Congress is considering raising the cap gains rate, which means that it's probably not a bad idea to sell some of that. His personal net worth is $300 billion. So there. And this is not a keeper. Let's see what's next. I don't know what this is doing here. Okay, carbon capture. You know, this, uh, this Greta Thunberg has finally caught on to the fact that these conferences they have with all the countries pledging to do this or not do this are a bunch of blah, 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 as she puts it. And, and she says no more of that. But if this, like I say, you know, Annette's window kind of got my attention in terms of the climate change thing. So there's an article in here by an outfit 
which is a Swiss company, called Climeworks, which is a startup. And it's a big machine that takes CO2, carbon dioxide, out of the atmosphere. And I think that's probably how that's going to work, right? Uh, Chris Bryant of Bloomberg says that you could uh, subsidize these things by the government. And Gates and Musk are both behind it. So I'm thinking that is something to, that's a practical way to solve this problem. You know what I mean? If anything is going to solve the problem, it's going to be technology. It's not going to be people, you know, volunteering to take themselves off of fossil fuels. I don't think. So we'll keep an eye on that. But that may be an investment opportunity. I would certainly look at it. Now, there are two things I hate. One is the anti-vax movement, and the other is uh, the Packers. So now I've got a great opportunity to get two birds with one stone because Aaron Rodgers didn't get vaxxed. 94% of NFL players are vaxxed. And the other six, I don't know what they're doing with them. Um, but he, Rogers is promoting quack treatments and cures. More than 1,800 studies on for homeopathy is what he's been talking about, relying on. And homeopathy is the biggest crock that you ever heard of. More than 1,800 studies have shown it doesn't cure diseases. The National Institutes of Health says there's zero emphasis, or zero evidence, I should say, that homeopathic inoculations for COVID work. It was invented in 1796 and is based on several nonsensical beliefs, including that extremely small quantities of plants and minerals, even just one molecule, can fix what ails you. And uh, Adam Larson of NBC says, by scorning vaccination and embracing pseudoscience, Rogers has let down his team and his fans, proving that we should not take medical advice from guys paid to throw footballs. We should also not take medical advice from guys who get paid to play guitars, because Eric Clapton has been pumping out some nonsense, although he did get vaccinated, and he had apparently pretty bad side effects. I had none, okay, and I've had it three times. So, and whether it was, you know, correlation versus causality, I don't know, but... He broke bad on vaccination and on, of course, masking and shutdowns because he couldn't play. You know, and the guy's 76. He doesn't have that long to play. I get why he's unhappy about the pandemic, but I don't think you should listen to people. You know, listen to the guy's music, not his medical advice. But I think this opens up an opportunity to get down on quackery. When I started at AMA, they had a department of quackery that they just shut down a few years before because they got sued by chiropractors. And they condemned chiropractic as an unscientific cult. And to this day, I am not a fan of chiropractic. But uh, there's lots of them out there, naturopaths and these anti-vax. So I hope, the, I hope this you know, emphasis on science is an opportunity to qu- crack down on quacks. A lot of money goes to things that are useless, um, either out of pocket or even by insurance, chiropractors, naturopaths, uh, you name it. I mean, there's a whole slew of these quackaroonies, and it's been unfashionable to crack down on them. So I'm hoping that the, the blue mentality, at least, will start cracking down on these quacks. It used to be an antitrust thing. They blamed the doctors, and chiropractors, okay, a little bit of it, uh, but but docs used to see a lot of people who came from chiropractors who were in a world of hurt because they were getting spine manipulated for, like, colon cancer. So I think most of what the AMA was doing back then, and that's 40 years back now when the Supreme Court ruled against them, uh, and Wilk versus AMA, Wilk was a chiropractor. Like, the first week I started there, that case got decided, and, you know, the AMA had to lay off of them. 
But I think most of that was motivated out of concern for medical science, not for economic reasons. So anyway. Now, wit and wisdom, the quote section, only one good one I thought. People often claim to hunger for truth, but seldom like the taste when it's served up, said George Martin, who was in a, not the George Martin who was the producer of the Beatles, an author named George Martin. Now, this is bad for Biden. 65% of Americans say the economy is poor, which is not true. 35% say it's good. 47% say they expect it to get worse. Now, why is that? Because growth is uh, drawing back a bit, but I think the, the Democrats are in the odd position of basically saying the economy is bad in order to get their stimulus passed, and some people believe them. The other thing is inflation. People are sweating inflation. So, But inflation is actually kind of a sign that the economy is good, right? Because you get maybe too much money chasing too few goods, which is why uh, stimulus is not a good idea right now. And the supply chain crisis, of course, is basically what is crimping supply. Not only that... Um, you know, China shutting down large swaths of its economy because they're really taking a hardcore approach to uh, to COVID. Anyway, in the news on Talking Points, 2021 election results, why do the Democrats are in trouble? David Sider says Democrats got their clocks cleaned, setting off panic alarms that the party could easily lose control of the House and Senate in an election buzzsaw next year. They were drubbed in rural areas, often by 85 to 15 margins, and lost independence in the suburbs, a demographic instrumental in electing President Biden, whose approval rating has sunk to the low 40s. Virginia swung by 12 points from Biden's win last year to elect Glenn Youngkin, Republican as governor, and in Blue State, New Jersey, uh, Governor Phil Murphy barely survived. Uh, voters are furious about skyrocketing prices, stalled supply chains, and critical race theory in the schools. They tapped into uh, parental anger over prolonged school closures, remote learning, and mask mandates. Youngkin has given the GOP a map to future victories, says Josh Hammer in the New York Post. Craft a more family-centric economic agenda and fight like there's no tomorrow on the cultural front. Says Will Bunch in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Democrats showed up to a culture war gunfight brandishing a 2,000-page piece of legislation. The infrastructure bill alone won't help them next year any more than Affordable Care Act helped the Democrats in 2010 under Obama. Democrats are acting too aloof to even bother to fight. Uh, many Democrats claim CRT isn't even taught in public schools, says Yasha Monk in the Atlantic, and are dismissing concerns about it as nothing more than a racist dog whistle. But many schools really have been teaching a version of history that goes well beyond telling students about America's copious historical sins and are instructing students that racism is the defining feature of America. Students in some elementary and middle schools are being asked to place themselves on a scale of privilege. Democrats have to address parents' objections instead of saying their concerns are either imaginary or racist. The GOP is wisely branding itself as the parents' party, uh, says, say, Brad Wilcox and Max Eden in the Wall Street Journal. Parents are alarmed when schools begin teaching anti-racism and peppering lesson plans with terms like cisgender and white privilege while encouraging children to view themselves through the prisms of race, gender, sexuality, and class. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, who got beat by Youngkin, captured liberal smugness when he said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Well, who should be? Um, the radical educational agenda is not good for the Democrats at the polling places. 
Max Booth says these parents have a legitimate beef in the Washington Post. You are put off by the incessant attention on race in so many classrooms. Some schools are teaching first graders about microaggressions and structural racism and telling students that concepts such as individualism and objectivity are examples of white supremacy. Now, when I went to journalism school, objectivity was the holy grail. Now it's considered to be an example of white supremacy. Well, that's, that tells you everything you need to know. Some efforts to combat it back... Some, it says some efforts to combat racism backfire if they exacerbate racial divisions, and that's exactly what's happening, by the way. At the same time, Democrats need to step up and fight uh, on the CRT issue. Illiberal excesses on both the woke left and the anti-woke right need to be called out. And that's the, this is a call-out culture. I'm going to call you out on this or call you out on that. I mean, when did that become a good idea? You know, it used to be don't talk about religion and politics, right? Now it's like, I'm going to call you out. What better way to start fights, you know? It used to be the playing pool in a bar was the best way to get in a fight. Now it's to call somebody out. Voters aren't comfortable with the growing influence of progressives in the Democratic Party. Thank God, says Doug Schoen in TheHill.com. Debating critical race theory and other culture war issues is a no-win trap, says Michael Tomaski in The New Republic. Nor can they run against Trump, who's no longer in power, in every local election and expect that to be enough. So, you know, these are all liberal publications. I deliberately didn't quote any of the conservative uh, media that they, they quote in here. This is Democrats talking to other Democrats. Now, the Wall Street Journal reports something, 15 of the, you know, this is the kind of thing that draws attention to the whole global warming thing, but the reality of it is 15 of the 20 California wildfires that destroyed most homes and other structures have taken place within the past decades, but the state's housing crunch played a key role. People can't afford to build homes in the more expensive areas, so they're moving into cheaper communities. And the reason they're cheaper is they're near the forests that catch on fire. So it's kind of like when you build more houses on the coast, you get more hurricane damage. And then they say that's global warming. Well, maybe to some extent, but not entirely. I mean, if you build houses in places that are going to get flooded, you're going to have more flood damage to the houses irregardless, right? If anything, if you believe in global warming, that should convince you not to do that. But, you know, people do what they got to do. Um, which is another reason this whole remote work thing is good, I think. 80% of Hispanics um, identify as lighter skin, so says Pew, P-E-W. Not like Church Pew, the Pew uh, Research Center, which is very respected. 62% say darker skin inhibits their ability to succeed in the U.S. Now, that's what they think. I don't know if that's true, to tell you the truth. But that's what they think. So the dark, light skin thing. But then how do you account for Indians? You know, my partner's an Indian. He's got a great job. So. Now, here's a controversy of the week for sure. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this guy had no business being in Kenosha trying to defend some stranger's used car dealership, right, with an AK-40, an AR-15, which is a automatic rifle. This guy didn't even, he wasn't even from Kenosha. Did I go to the riots in 68? No. Why would I do that? I sat in my apartment and watched him with my mom. So he's 17. He dreamed of becoming a cop. Um, drove across state line from Illinois. Um, 
but he was confronted by several protesters, one of whom tried to grab his gun. Another one swung a skateboard at him. He began firing. Now, this is the National Review, Robert Verbruggen. He says the prosecution's case has fallen apart. The turning point may have been when this gauge Grosskreutz, and these three guys had no business being there either. I I, I don't know if they were from, from Racine or not. But or Kenosha, rather, um, he was pointing his own loaded handgun at at Rittenhouse at the time of the shooting. So the guy pulled a gun at him. What's he supposed to do? The American conservative Rod Dreher says he should not have been there. But he is not the enemy of civilization that the people he shot were and are, which is harsh. But, you know, they were the ones out there looting and stuff, so says he, uh, and rioting and, and doing damage in to express their rage, like days of rage back in the 60s. Noah Feldman in Bloomberg says, legally speaking, Rittenhouse's self-defense claims are solid, Right? So, you wouldn't believe the stuff I see on Facebook, and I'm going to give you a little sampling of it when I close. Now, here's an interesting thing. A Native American group, and as you know, I am one of the tribe. I'm not sure which tribe. I am 116th Native American, so I can talk about this, I think. A Native American group is suing the state of Colorado to reverse a recent ban on Native American-themed high school mascots. The Native American Guardians Association contends that a state ban on schools using team names such as Warriors, as in the Marquette Warriors, and I think almost all of my listeners are Marquette grads. Maybe I should market this to Marquette grads. Or Indians makes it harder for Native Americans to reclaim names and images that were once directed at them as insults and make them badges of pride. And to tell you the truth, they're not insults. They are complimentary. You know, you don't name your team the Blackhawks or the Warriors or something because you are mocking yourself. It's like, you know, the Braves, right? They were brave warriors. It was always kind of a tribute to the nobility of the of the natives, of the indigenous. So that's been the weird part about the whole thing, frankly. And boy, what a great jersey the Blackhawks have. It'd be a shame to see that go. I hope the tide turns on that. It's an homage. Now, here's an interesting thing. Colby College in Maine has banned discrimination on the basis of caste. In South, and that's C-A-S-T-E, not like caste of thousands. In South Asia, caste divides society into hereditary strata. Like in India, I think there's ten. My partner's in, like, two, number two or number three. Professor Sonia Thomas, who campaigned for the band, conceded there are not many South Asian students at Colby, but, and I'll bet they're all in the higher caste if they are, but said that unless the most privileged, that would be her, I guess, or the students there, step up and maybe say, we need to talk about this oppression, it's not going to change. Well, if it's going to change, it ain't going to be because of her. But what that tells you is that now India, for example, and other South Asian areas, there are no white people there other than, you know, the Brits who get from that. So this whole caste system, everybody over there is of color. It's not about race particularly. Even in this country, it's about class. Class and caste are interchangeable. So it's a worldwide phenomenon. Anyway, now here's a good example of the hypocrisy of the Marxist. A member of Vietnam's Communist Party who was in the UK for the climate summit laid a wreath on the London grave of Karl Marx, a German old white guy, dead white guy, and then dined on a $2,000 a plate gold-wrapped steak at a, at a real high-end restaurant. You talk about hypocrites. The Communist Party is at the top of the list. Now, 
here's a little odds and ends. Josh Allen, QB for the Bills, was sacked by Josh Allen, defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Josh Allen intercepted a pass by Josh Allen. So first time that's ever happened in both cases. Player of the same name. Sort of like a doppelganger, but not really, just the name. Now, here's an anti-vaxxer. Speaking of cartoons, North Dakota State Rep Jeff Hoverson Hoverson missed his own anti-vax rally when he got COVID. <laughs> well, he's going to be okay, I guess. He got a mild case, fortunately for him. And we crumple that one up and throw it in the Nugent Ventures garbage can. Okay, so for those woke who, you know, think that the United States is uniquely evil, here's a couple of other things. Um, Me Too scandal in China. Chinese tennis star accused former Communist Party official of uh, Me Too sexual assault and she posted it on a thing called Weibo, which I guess is a social media that's popular in China. Under 30 minutes, it was gone. And then the censors deleted all the screenshots of it. And I imagine she's going to go get re-educated. So that's how they handle that kind of stuff in, in, in communist countries. The socialist paradise. Now, another one along those lines... In Saudi Arabia, there are no gay superheroes. Apparently, now I would never have known this, uh, this Marvel superhero film has a uh, superhero who is gay. Uh, well, not in Saudi Arabia. That ain't going to be shown. Homosexuality is illegal in much of the Gulf of Arabia region. And is punishable by death in Saudi Arabia. Cutter banned a movie because of a single line about a lesbian relationship. So if you think this country is just awful and, you know, bigoted and sexist and misogynist, yeah, take a little trip to China and, and Saudi Arabia. And you will find that maybe it's not so bad here in the United States. So, um, drone attack on Prime Minister in Baghdad. Iran-backed militias have claimed the election was riddled with fraud, but have offered no evidence. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So again, you know, stop the steal and all that. Not unique to the United States. Now, in Moscow... Uh, CIA Chief William Burns got on the phone with Vladimir Putin directly and basically told him, we know what you're doing. Uh, Russia has 90,000 troops massed on the Ukrainian border. Now, Putin cannot seriously fear the United States in this situation. If they invade Ukraine, what are we going to do about it? I would say nothing. And I don't think the European Union would either. So, I would expect that. Uh, let's see, does this comment on the probability? I would expect them to do that. And I would almost, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chinese made a move on Taiwan at the same time, because that would totally overload the U.S. And I mean, there's no way that the Democrats are going to do anything about something like that. Just not going to happen. And a similar theme, uh, China's military buildup. Um, the Pentagon worries that China is seeking a capacity for a surprise attack. They just uh, shot off some hypersonic missiles, which basically go into space and uh, 
then drop a nuclear, they can drop a nuclear war in. Now, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Miley, I think is how you pronounce his name, Mark Miley, uh, called the test very close to a Sputnik moment, referring, of course, to the 1957 satellite launch when I was three that revealed Soviet superiority in space technology. Now, we're working on one of them, too, so, you know... I'm not as worried about that as he is, but he presumably knows more about it than I do. Ever since China launched its first joint exercise with Russia in 2003, the country's militaries have been cooperating more and more, which is not a good alliance. There was a time when they were at loggerheads, and I think it would be nice to provoke some sort of a split there. Moscow and Beijing have no mutual defense treaty. They do have the common aim of containing the U.S., and a war against both simultaneously would be nightmarish. (coughs) Beijing shows no interest in arms control talks, so continued buildups on all sides are likely. The more weapons, the greater the likelihood of purposeful or inadvertent use. China's ambition to absorb Taiwan is clear. According to... Retired Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis. If China attacks the U.S., the worst case is a conventional war spirals out of control and escalates into a nuclear exchange, which would essentially be the solution to global warming, by the way, because you'd have nuclear winters, so they say. So that'd cool us off. China has home field advantage in the Pacific. Whenever the Rand Think Tank conducts war games for the Pentagon and simulating a conflict in the South China Sea, the U.S. gets its ass handed to it, according to analyst David Ochmanek. And I have actually heard that from a contact I have at the company, as they call it. So, not good. And we are signaling weakness. So, I think that the odds that somebody's going to challenge us are getting higher. Now, Germany. And again, for people who detest the United States, even if they're citizens of it, because we're so xenophobic and we want to keep illegal immigrants out, Fences are going up across Europe. The country that celebrated the fall of the hated Berlin Wall no longer thinks border walls are such a bad idea. And, of course, that wall was built to keep people from leaving East Germany, not to keep them out of West Germany. And they were all Germans, right? So not a very apt analogy. Just two years ago, uh, Michael Kretschmer of the Christian Democrats declared open borders were Germany's strength. But last week he changed course, saying we need fences and we probably also need walls. Until recently, such language was the preserve of the far right and would have provoked widespread horror if used by a mainstream politician. But this year, Belarusian dictator Alexander Lukashenko began flying plane loads of migrants in from the Middle East of Af- and Africa and dumping them on European Union borders, which is his way of hitting back at the block for criticizing his rigged re-election. EU members Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia are now building fences on their borders with Belarus. Greece concerned that Turkey might channel a surge in Afghan refugees to Grecian borders has been doing the same thing. Human rights advocates say such dehumanizing measures violate EU laws on the free movement of people. But Brussels is turning a blind eye because of it, it fears a repeat of the 2015 refugee crisis when the entry of more than a million migrants caused a political backlash. A Europe of fences and walls is now the political consensus. So we're not the only ones who like to maintain the integrity of our borders. And if you're going to have nation states 
and nation states are based on who's a citizen, then, you know, don't you have to have some control of who gets to come? For how long and under what conditions? Maybe someday we won't have nation states. I don't know. Yeah, now, the, the, in the consumer area under leisure, 32, page 32 of this week's week, uh, they review, Motor Trend reviewed the uh, Rivian R1T. Now, Rivian just went public at like a $12 billion valuation, I think. And they make electric pickup trucks. Now, it doesn't say, as far as I can tell here, how much it costs. They're, they're building them in Illinois, though, so that's good. Um, but they don't say how much it costs. Now, there's a car that many of you might actually be interested in. It's the Lucid Air. It's called the Air. $77,400 sticker price, which is a little steep, but um, and it's really a luxury electric vehicle. And these things have incredible horsepower. One of them, one of their models has 1,111 horsepower. That's a lot. They're real quick. And supposedly these have better range. The guy who uh, designed them left Tesla. So, you know, I think that's probably the future here is electric cars. And I wouldn't get in Tesla right now, and I wouldn't get in Lucid right now, or Rivian rather. But uh, I think that's the future. Now, what I don't understand is why GM and Ford are valued for so little when they're doing the same thing. But I guess the argument is that they will they don't have the technical edge that these other companies have because they've got the legacy combustion engine business. I don't know. Now, they have a flying motorcycle, which I don't know if this thing is electric or not. But it's kind of like the Jetsons, but that's going to cost you $380,000. So probably I'm taking a pass on that. And that's about it, I think. Yeah, that's about it from the week. So now I'm going to give you a little taste of Facebook, if there's still time. Yeah, there's still a few minutes. I get a max of an hour, which is, I'm sure my listeners are happy about that. Because, man, can this guy talk? Hmm? So, here's a guy I follow. Um, let's see. 17. Oh, this is from President Joe. 17 Nobel, Nobel Prize winning economists say that passing Build Back Better will ease inflationary pressures and lower costs for American families. And I guess this is the next tranche of it, which is probably nonsense. Now, this is one of my very liberal, I'm going to not name him, but uh, this guy is like a communist, and I went to high school with him, and he was a state attorney, so I don't know how this happened, but he says that it looks like Trump is not going to be indicted, so he will probably be eligible to run in 2024, so that's going to make it look Kind of ugly. Okay. I'm going to try to call out some of the stuff that is... I run into out here. There's an outfit called The Other 98%, and they do these memes. And what a meme is, is like a little graphic. 
This one says, it's so weird being raised by Christians and spending your entire childhood told to care about others. And then one day they're just like, one day they're just like, you're not actually supposed to care about others, you stupid socialist. Well, you know, caring about others does not happen at public expense, necessarily. Uh, You know, Christians believe in giving their own money to their own charities to a large expense, or to a large extent, I should say. Let's see what else I can share with you to give you a little feel for what happens to what I'm subjected to. Yeah, these, the other 98% is out to destroy this Kyle Rittenhouse guy. The My friend on Facebook says, media glowingly describing a murderer. Uh, and this guy was a state's attorney. And I honestly, from what I've seen, and I'm not on the jury, and I, I haven't studied the case in detail, but... Um, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like he went out of his way to kill people here. Okay, so here's human reform politics. This is the problem. We are controlled by the most greedy, manipulative, self-serving people on the planet. So many have misidentified who is victimizing them. The things they see as the issues are merely mirages. They are completely unaware that they are being manipulated by the moneyed interests of big business, big pharma, energy, defense, pop, 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 pop. You know, and they they use a cartoon, political cartoon, I guess. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. And here's another Kyle Rittenhouse. Good morning to everyone that doesn't have an AR-15 in their first aid kit. Because I guess he claimed to be an EMT. But this is the kind of stuff I I run into out here. And I've kind of vowed... And I, I just go... I decided to just go out on there every once in a while to see what nonsense... Is being put out there. Now here's the Daily Burn as in Bernie Sanders. Again about Rittenhouse. They're all over this. He lunged for the illegally possessed gun I was shoving in his face while on a fake police patrol, so I shot him to defend myself as a wild ass defense. But I don't think this guy's gonna go down. And then of course they canceled Chicago Police Leave because of the riots they expect if he does get off, you know? So it's hard to see. Oh, now here's a good one. Listen to this. The judge's phone, and again, Kyle Rittenhouse, the judge's phone went off to a ringtone of God Bless the USA on Wednesday, which is commonly played at Trump rallies. So patriotism is now uh, a mark of the beast in liberal circles. Unreal, you know? Now, here's a here's a meme from Ro Khanna, whoever that may be. Uh, do you want a smaller government? And it quotes Bill Maher, who's not my favorite by any means. Do you want a smaller government with fewer handouts, or do you want a low minimum wage? Because you can't have both. And this is so out of date. You know... People are getting 20 bucks an hour now, which is more than the fight for 15 to work at restaurants because of the labor shortage. It's supply and demand, folks. And oddly, the people who are the most concerned about wage uh, wages not being a living wage are the ones who believe in open borders and unfettered immigration. And honestly, for those $15 an hour folks, that's where the supply of uh, low-cost labor really hurts them. If you took every, and I'm not necessarily anti-immigration, you know. I mean, if you're a Wall Street Journal Republican, 
or a Wall Street Journal conservative, let's put it that way. You know, an open market for labor is actually a positive. Now, as I've said earlier, yeah, these are not easy questions or clear-cut by any means. But, uh, you know, if you're going to be a nation, you kind of have to have open borders. But there was a time before the 1920s, and this was more or less an anti-Italian thing, by the way. There was a time when we basically had open immigration. You You didn't have to sneak in. You could come in legally because we felt like we needed more people to populate this big country of ours. That time has passed. We're like, okay, we got enough people, especially people of the right color maybe, but uh, generally, you know, that whole Statue of Liberty thing is kind of your your huddled masses yearning to be breathe free. It's kind of passe. But what would the United States be like if it had, you know, 500 million people instead of 330. I don't know. But it would definitely have a tendency, if you got more workers, the wages go down. So you can't have it both ways, folks. So anyway, I think that's enough uh, Facebook. Uh, But you get the idea, and those of you who aren't out there will probably now feel even more... That you've made a good decision. And I would not disabuse you of that, frankly. Because spending time on Facebook is not profitable. And it is, you know, Facebook does kind of try to stoke up anger. And boy, every time I go on there, I'm, I, I'm upset, you know, by what I see. So the less you go out there, probably the better. Anyway, that's it. That's a little special feature of today's podcast. And I've added another potential listener, so every time I add one, you know, it's a big percentage increase, given that my listenership is very, very, very small. And I was asked the other day, how do you get, how do you promote your podcast? And I said, boy, you are asking the wrong guy, because I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure there are ways to do it. I've never really looked into it very hard, but, uh, you know. What I did try to do to promote mine was totally ineffective. So, anyway, if you want to know how to promote a podcast, you got to ask somebody else. Because I don't know. And I've made this sort of a personal, uh, you know, I wouldn't want this to be that widely circulated because of the controversial nature of my views in today's society. I am trying to make a buck, so... I've decided that, you know, I've got a Facebook friends forum that's very small, like 12 people. Um, and I don't want it anymore. You know, Jesus only had 12 people. So, and look what look what happened to him. Well, I mean, his religion became very popular. So, who knows? Not to put myself blasphemously on the same plane as he. That's how you get crucified. Anyway, that's it for today. Live long, prosper. I'm going to try to get some work done today. And if not, we'll start tomorrow. I'm not going to keep the Sabbath holy. So live long, prosper, and until next time, I remain yours truly, Terry Nugent, head honcho at Nugent Ventures, and Terrific Writing, LLC. And Terrific Writing's never too busy for referral. Take care. Bye-bye.